This is Mark Shanowski. Now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special. And here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome into the 26th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you this afternoon on February 7, 2019, welcoming listeners to the 26th episode of Will's fifth quarter special. I'm here as your host for this special edition of the fifth quarter sports talk. We're covering what took place in Super Bowl 53 as the New England Patriots defeated the Los Angeles Rams in Atlanta, Georgia at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome as the New England Patriots starring Tom Brady, their star quarterback and head coach, Bill Belichick, together winning their sixth straight title. Wide receiver Julian Edelman was named the Super Bowl 53 MVP. We're also covering this, what's been in the headlines about the Chicago Bears as the Monsters of the Midway head coach Matt Nagy, for reigning coach of the year from this past season, has been saying that he believes the Bears are not just sitting goal for the playoffs next year once again, but also going all the way to the Super Bowl. He has high hopes for his team, as we do here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special, along with the fan base. So we're going to talk about what those chances are uh, relatably for next season and moving forward for this Bears team that sadly fell to the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs this past season. We're also covering NBA trade deadline this afternoon as it's ended at two hit at 2 p.m. And we're going to talk about the big trade that the Bulls made last night as former third overall pick from the 2013 NBA draft, Otto Porter Jr., will take his talents from the Washington Wizards over to the Windy City, joining the Chicago Bulls, taking over their forward position at the three spot to join Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markkinen, Chris Dunn, and Zach Levine in the Chicago Bulls starting five. And the Bulls are sending Chicago native Jabari Parker and his teammate Bobby Portis, along with a 2023 second-round pick to the Washington Wizards for Otto Porter Jr., the former Georgetown forward. And a lot of other trades took place as well, but we're going to stick to the Bulls. We'll cover a little bit of it throughout. Now, before we feature the guest appearance interview on this episode 26, there's something specific I told our viewers from the pre-Super Bowl Facebook Live this past Sunday that I would feature on this episode. So as promised, I'm going to be reading the game predictions that were made pre-Super Bowl, just an hour and a half before when we did our uh, Facebook Live uh, pre-Super Bowl edition on Will's fifth quarter special. So to start off, we have my Nicole Norris that said my cousin was going for the Rams, my other cousin Bridget is going for the Patriots, and my other cousin Caitlin was following the Puppy Bowl. And my cousin Megan agreed says Nicole Catherine on uh, what we talked about with Tom Brady, how good of a quarterback he is. Our first our first game prediction was Zach Wilson, uh, WZND News and Sports reporter, saying he believes the Patriots would win 27-24, and he didn't want them to, but he thinks they will. And we had Nicole Catherine's mom, Ruth Allender, thinking the score of the would be the Rams winning 21-20 over the Patriots. Ken Cott cheering for the Rams, but Brady and Gronk will prevail by 10 points. Patriots would win 27-17. Nicole Catherine's relative, Pete, predicted 27 New England, 
Rams 21. And Ken Cott called it at the by the game, the Pats winning and prevailing by 10 points. It was not 17-7, but it was 13-3. So we appreciate at Willis Fifth Quarter Special the continued support of our Facebook Lives and comments just like that. That was a lot of fun. We appreciate the viewers getting involved like that and can't wait to see that moving forward. So as promised, that was uh, something I was proud to feature on this episode. So we have a special guest appearance, though, joining us for this 26th edition of the 5th Quarter Sports Talk. We do at Will's 5th Quarter Special. It's Jason Clare, who you might recognize from Episode 8. He was formerly a fellow co-host on that past episode with Steve Rizala. And Jason spent some time in at Illinois State in his tenure as a Redbird with, in the sports department of the Vedette, writing articles in the sports area, along with it being a news and sports reporter at WZND, then spending time at 670 to score, and taking a job in South Bend as a television producer. So Jason Clare brought some really interesting insight on all these topics we just mentioned. So here is that interview we are going to take you to now that I had one-on-one. Here's that interview I had this afternoon with Jason Clare. Jason Clare, coming back on the fifth quarter sports talk. We are glad to have you back on uh, our show, Jason. I remember you were on with Steve Rizal, I think it was episode eight. It's been a while, but uh, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I always enjoy talking sports with you. You're a valued friend and uh, an above average sports fan. So I hey. always enjoy taking time out to be able to talk with you about a few things. And you as well. I know our listeners, that was probably the most popular episode for the first time with you two. So we had to get you back. And the thing we have to start with, it's, it wasn't what we expected as uh, football fans to see as the end result, but uh, the score of the Super Bowl game was probably the lowest we've seen in years. You know, you have a team like the Rams going up against a well-experienced Patriots team. You're thinking, oh, it's going to go – you know, maybe a lot of predictions we made on the show. Uh, we did a Facebook Live last week. It was like 27-14, 21-20, but 13-3. But we, we, we got to start with your thoughts on that game. What type of um, analysis can you give about such a low-scoring game like that and what you saw? Sure. Uh, when looking at the scoring sheet, we think this is a defensive battle. And, you know, before I really dig into the details, I want to preface everything with this. And it's something I noticed Monday morning, I believe, or Tuesday morning from Trey Lingle of ESPN, and he said it perfectly. No matter how critical boring the Super Bowl was, everyone kept watching from the first quarter to the halftime show through the conclusion of the game. No matter how washed up the game appeared to have been going, we all tuned in no matter what because it's the final game of the NFL season. I wasn't surprised by the final result, but the road to the result, I was surprised. I thought we'd see a little bit more points, considering the over-under was about 57 and a half. Uh, this is just not something we're used to, considering the Eagles put up 41 points the previous year against New England. However, what I saw was Jared Goff playing a good team. Now, they, the Rams were without a crucial weapon in Cooper Cup. However, I knew this was coming for the Rams only because the schedule. I looked and saw who they played, and they got, they got off to such a fantastic start to the season, uh, 11-1, I believe. But if you look a little bit deeper, they played 
only one time in the central time zone up and through the first 11 weeks, and that was in New Orleans, lost. They then went from playing a neutral game in Mexico City to being relocated to the Coliseum. They squeaked out a victory against the Chiefs, which I think if that is neutral, I do think the Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs were a far better football team than the Rams. Not defensive side, but offensive, light years ahead. Then when they traveled east to Detroit, they would get up, only have three points up in the third quarter, then they each got to win 30-16. The following week, December 9th, they travel east to Chicago, get an abysmal performance. So I think the Rams had a benefit of an easy schedule. And I, I kind of compare that to the 2015-16 Panthers, in which they got to a head, uh, hot start. They had the 31st easiest schedule that year, bottom four bottom four of the easiest schedules, and the 2016-17 Falcons, an incredibly easy schedule that year, which they went, both those teams went to the Super Bowl. Now, back to the Rams. It was an easy schedule. They were without their main weapon, and you're playing Tom Brady. Uh, Bill Belichick is the best adjustments coach in the NFL, and probably in history of changing things up as necessary. Sean McVay did all he could. However, I still think he played a little bit afraid. I thought the special teams coordinator, John Fossil, was playing extremely, the coaching matter, extremely conservatively. We saw that risky punt down 14-0, fake punt in the second quarter, I believe, and that really turned things around for Los Angeles. We didn't see any trickery in the Super Bowl, which I understand the platform, but at the same time, which the success you saw in the regular season, and the Super Bowl, that's the success has gotten you there. Why shy away from it? Why not continue to do that? And inside the Patriots, Julian Edelman, a man who only lines up in the slot, absolutely picked apart that defense wall with Tom Brady. Gronkowski caught probably the pass of the game to lead them down to that touchdown late in the fourth. And tying on the bow, the defense really getting the golf, did a fantastic job. But Trent Rams, too. They were able to pressure Brady almost as well as they possibly could. But the 141 yards receiving, that was the difference in the game. And what I saw was just a fantastic performance by one of the top five quarterbacks in NFL history, a sixth Super Bowl title. And, uh, you know, they're, they're the favorite in the next season, which I think they should. Or I, I haven't seen it, but it, they should. Uh, until, Tom, until Tom Brady and Bill Belichick separate, they're the favorites every single year. Every yeah, no, year. I couldn't agree more. That That Super Bowl was just – I think for me, really interesting to watch, you know, the young team of the future of the league going up against the more veteran current, like, presence of the team. They almost, they compared it, uh, which I found interesting, you know, the future, like you were talking about with the Chiefs. I feel like I was more predicting, uh, I did it on one of our recent episodes a while back, we predicted Super Bowl teams, and I was definitely hoping to see the Chiefs and the Rams face each other. Now, that's not discrediting the Patriots. Like you said, I agree. They're a really great team. Respect to Bill Belichick and his career. Uh, there are so many veterans on that team. They're well-respected in the league as well. But to see those two offenses would have been exciting. But the question I have for you before we get uh, to the big topic, which is the Bulls, um, do you find it interesting that the Bears are already in the top five of uh, Super Bowl odds. Now, any any odds can be put before, you know, next season starts, of course. The, you know, it's just people doing their job in the media. But how do you think the Bears could fare in uh, early Super Bowl odds like that? 
I mean, that's that's pretty exciting to hear from uh, your head coach that just won Coach of the Year as well, Matt Nagy, telling his team, hey, we're going to go win the Super Bowl. What do you uh, think of that for next year? You all sound up in one word, appropriate. There, you know, although playoff-wise, they didn't finish technically within the top five teams, they were a top five team in the NFL throughout the entirety of 2018. An awful loss at the hands of Philadelphia Eagles. However, looking into next year, they're setting themselves up nicely. I've heard several people say the Bears could have beaten the Patriots or the Rams in the Super Bowl. Obviously, it would have been the Rams, so they would have played the Patriots. Yes, you could argue both sides, but not veering too off the question, I really do think the Bears can contend for a Super Bowl. However, Mitch Trubisky, his decision-making in the pocket needs to improve. The defense I agree with there, that, definitely. An offense, if you lack offense, well, you are not going to win the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. Uh, there's only a handful of teams I can think that had such an astounding defense and a mediocre quarterback. I mean, Trent Dilfer. Oh, the Seahawks. With the definitely at Seahawks. See, I put Russell Wilson a step ahead because although he's very conservative and he's a dual-threat quarterback, he makes good decisions. I'd rather have a quarterback deal that throws 18 times a game, completes 13 of those passes, only throws for 225 yards and maybe one touchdown, but he takes care of the ball because it's more productive than a gun-swinging quarterback with their rose-shaded glasses on thinking they can pin needles through threads and then it's picking the ball. Mitch gazes at receivers in which he's throwing to, and that's been a huge issue why he's throwing the ball away as much as he has. Now, two points. Wants to throw the ball away. He can't be afraid to do that. Peyton Manning throws the ball away. He always did when he didn't have a chance. He didn't try to fit the ball into these small holes. And secondly, what I saw, though, with the potential on that final drive by Mitch Trubisky, some of those throws, were as good of his throws they've made in a Bears uniform. The, the ceiling is high. The defense will be there. I think the signing of Chuck Pagano was incredible. Uh, he, is, he cannot lead a team. I don't think he can lead a team, but his defensive prowess fits nicely with what the Bears are looking for, his experience when he was on the Ravens. They did great things. And honestly, uh, he made chicken salad out of chicken crap with the Colts in some years. They didn't really have that much talent, but the defense was, you know, it, it was crappy. It was one of the worst NFL history, but he didn't have Jack Squat. So that's why I, I kind of erased that. Uh, I think that was a good sign. But looking at the next Bears fans have no reason but to feel excited. I think I'm going to kind of compare this to 2005-2006 when the Bears lost to the Panthers in the divisional round. And the, the following year, got to an incredibly great start. And one advantage I put, I think they have a better coach. Levis Smith was wonderful, but they have a better coach than Matt Nagy. They have a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. A few better weapons, but I think then the Bears were able to take the leap a handful of years ago and go to the Super Bowl. They surprised everyone. I think that it's setting itself up right, uh, nicely. However, it's going to be tough sledding. They're at the Rams next year or somewhere, I think. That, and then somewhere they play overseas, against, I think that's against the Raiders. They're over in London. They host the Chargers next year, I'm almost positive. Philip Rivers is still going to be a great quarterback. And so it's important to build a good regular season foundation win the division, and clinch that by. And a couple of the games I looked this year, well, the Dolphins 
and the Giants, you win those two games, you're getting a bye. You're avoiding Philadelphia Eagles. And so yeah, regular but, season matters, whether it's week. I hear a lot of people like, well, week one through four, that doesn't really matter. Nonsense. Yes, it does, because it still counts toward the standings, which play a huge factor in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Now we're going to get into the topic I'm excited to talk about. This came out of, like, thin air last night. The Chicago Bulls made a trade before the deadline, a big trade. That hasn't happened in quite some time. And uh, they bring in a former third overall pick that was drafted by the Wizards in the 2013 NBA draft for Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, and a 2023 second-round pick. Otto Porter Jr. is now headed to the south side in Chicago in the Windy City. And I'm really excited about it. You know, you you think about a player like Otto Porter, really good shooter, but the thing that I like that I'm going to ask you about what do you think about the defense he brings to a Bulls team that's been yearning for more defensive players to pair with guys like Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., and Larry Markkinen? What do you think of Otto Porter coming to Chicago? Well, I think it's an interesting transaction. This is why I'll, I'll describe it in this manner. I'm going to take a negative Nelly approach on this entire transaction only because I'm a little bit confused in the direction the Bulls are trying to get. Uh, trying to go. They, they've now traded for a very prideful player in Otto Porter Jr. I believe I believe he's a former Georgetown Hoy, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. And you are correct. Drafted third from he, Georgia. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Will. Now, I think this current contract is a little bit concerning considering Jabari Parker was, quote, being paid so much. Well, now we're paying a player $4 million extra. Jabari was on a one-year $20 million deal. Adipor is in his second or third year of a $104 million deal. Do the math, that's about a $21 million deal. Uh, that's $21 million. That's $1 million more. 56 total for two years. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit confused. I wish the Bulls would develop a direction. And I, I know his defense is great. He's a prideful player. But I don't think this mixes well with where the Bulls are, quote, unquote, trying to go. I, I, I get that they're looking to tank, or the secret words usually are, we're going to see what our young players have, which we all know that means we're going to tank without directly saying tank. Uh, I, I'm just a little bit confused why they'd sign an answer player of this caliber, because he's going to want to really carry the team, and we don't want that. We want, we want to take, as a, as a casual fan of Bulls, I want to see a tank, you have to buy for Zion, R.J. Barrett. And with the NBA draft lottery changing its format for this year, top three get an equal share of the first pick, while the fourth, excuse me, has a slight less chance. I think it's 8% or something. The top three of 12.5%. It's something along those lines. I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me. Will, why is it that the Bulls are signing this prideful player when we're trying to tank? I feel that Otto Porter Jr. may try to win a couple games and he might, you know, but has with the front office, not like this would be the first or last player to do that with Star Pack. I'm just a little bit confused in the direction Chicago sees itself going. I, I just don't – a little bit uh, at a loss for words. I, I, I wish that they would just continue to, to lose because it's, it's utterly important to get within that top three. And let me tell you something, comparing yourself with the Knicks, who are awesome, Cavaliers, awful and the Suns were awful this it's just it's all a little bit fishy to me but I can tell you this I'm going to add this and this is totally on my own prerogative but 
I can venture to tell you the Bulls will be in good shape and the Knicks will be in good shape if they fall within the top three because as history shows, big market teams in the NBA draft line, too many funny things have happened in the past to, to not mention coincidences. Uh, and that's LeBron going to the Cavaliers in 2003, Derrick Rose going to the Bulls in 2008. I know the NBA wants Zion to go to a big market team. And the, the top two markets in the country happen to be buying for this lottery, and it's New York and Chicago. And it wouldn't put it past me if Zion suits up for one of those teams next season. So a long, long answer short, Will, I'm just a little bit, uh, uh, you know, in a quandary why – the Bulls are, are taking these players. I understand they want to dump the salary, but why are you taking someone for more money, number one, and someone that probably has a different direction where they want to go with this franchise? Yeah, no, I'm just – I think I'm trying to take the optimistic approach. I don't know why, but even with the way the Bulls have played this year, every fan tries to, I'm sure you can agree, find that small optimism with the record that doesn't match up with that optimism you try and use. But I, I think I'm just excited to see what – he can bring, you know, they've had a question mark at the three spot before, but the the one thing I'm really wondering, and this is something I've been thinking about reading up on for probably the last two weeks up to the deadline today, which is at three o'clock. Could we maybe see another unexpected trade from the bulls, but from the point guard position, you know, they're rumored to really be checking out John Morant from uh, Murray state who, you know, you never know what player you're going to get in the draft until that day of the draft when they pick. Uh, that player, but he seems like a really interesting player at the point guard position, and I'm wondering, Jason, could we maybe see a possible trade of Chris Dunn, maybe for a, uh, I know they're trying to get a veteran in another deal, maybe, of a Ricky Rubio to compete with him, but could we see the end of Chris Dunn in Chicago? Perhaps, well, I wouldn't put you past that testament. Uh, first things first, though, Chris Dunn is nothing more than a backup point guard contending team. I don't think there's many teams in the league that would have him as their starting point guard. Yes, he's a great defender. However, that, that's just what his skills are on the offensive end, a, a backup point guard. Now, a, another player I think that could be moving on the Bulls is Robin Lopez. Uh, he's serviceable. He's an excellent rebounder, extremely active on the offensive glass. Look for the Bulls to possibly moving him. I don't, he's my favorite Bulls player on the roster as of today, and uh, since he's been on the Bulls. I really enjoy watching him. Uh, so it'd be sad to see him go. However, it's just the business of it. Now, with Chris Dunn, I, I, well, I think it's going to be quiet on the front in terms of both point guards. Uh, the front office is extremely conservative. And I'm going to veer off a point here, but I just have to make it because I saw yesterday Forbes released the most uh, notable, I'm trying the words escape me, but the most uh, money-worthy franchise in the NBA. And I think it went Nick. Lakers, uh, and then Bulls, I think, are top three. Uh, Warriors uh, are Bulls, too. Warriors and Bulls. And it, it just goes to show you, we have the Knicks, you know, that are really – they Madison Square Garden was recently renovated, I think, in 2013. Beautiful facility. been there. It's, it's thriving. They're being active. They're now clearing camp space for two major stars this summer. The, the Lakers have been relevant. Signed LeBron James, although it's late in his career, still was able to attract a large free agent of that caliber. Still relevant. The Warriors have, have won three titles in the one matter of four seasons. Extremely relevant. Will win this year. Uh, I'm going to go on the limb and say they're going to win this year, too. And here are the Bulls. 
who, who are literally, I thought up this a 1.7% chance that was a chance to get Derrick Rose. They're 1.7% chance in over the last 20 years from being an awful franchise. Awful. Since, since 98, they've been awful. And the only reason they were any what decent was because they got Derrick Rose. If they were in Chicago, their scene would be boarded up, demolished, done. They wouldn't exist. They are riding, the Bulls front office continues to ride the wave of Michael Jordan and the fan, and they talk about how much the fans, oh, well, we, we're in the top five or top six every year in attendance. Yeah, you are. You can't continue to ride the wave of being a large market and, can, and, and think you're going to stay relevant. It's not going to happen, Will. They need to be more active. They need to start dumping this. And this goes back to your last question about Otto Porter. They need to start dumping salaries. They need to start being active and tanking. They need to start tanking because you're going to be in the same exact route next season if the Bulls fall on that top three or top four. Mark my words, Will. It's going to be, it's going to be another awful season. Because if they, if they think, if they all of a sudden get this prideful wave going and think they're just going to win out and everything's going to be uh, honky-dory, they're in, they have another thing coming. That's nuts. They need to start losing and ultimately prepare for next year and, and build a, a solid foundation. I'm just not seeing that. So going back to your point, I don't think they're going to trade anyone because historically the Bulls have been awfully quiet in the free agent market. No one wants to come here. Steve Ballmer, the Clippers, flew cross-country last week to see Kawhi Leonard play. You think, you think Bar Packs, you think any of the Reinsdorfs are flying anywhere to go watch free agents? No, it's not, because they know it. It's, it's an awful cycle. They know they're not going to attract any free agents, so they don't make the effort. Then the effort's not shown to these free agents, so they don't even bother with Chicago. It's an ongoing circle. It's just not, not going to end for quite some time. Need to, but the one saving point of this is get – a star-studded draft pick, and Zion Williamson fits that beautifully. And I'm not saying he's going to pan out, but you can take a little bit of that and, and see where he goes. I'd rather try him and know the outcome than not ever be able to draft him and not know. That's all I want to say about the Bulls, Will. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it, it's going to be exciting to see what happens in you know less than three hours. But uh, Jason Clare, uh, former WZND news reporter, spent some time with 670 uh, working for TV in South Bend, just – Seeing you, what you're able to do is exciting. So we at Will's Fifth Corner Special, thank you for your time. Hopefully many more appearances down the road. I know it was it took a while for us to get you on here, but we're glad you came. And uh, we're I'm sure you're joining in our excitement to see what happens with uh, the remainder of the NBA season. Uh, Major League Baseball, hopefully Manny Machado and Harper find a place. But uh, overall, thanks for coming back to join the Fifth Quarter Sports Talk, man. You're a regular on the show, a big supporter, and uh, – we uh, support your future nonetheless as well. So thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you. I really do appreciate it. Let's cross our fingers. Maybe we'll see some shams or uh, woge bombs in the next few hours. So that was a lot of interesting fifth quarter sports talk, not just football, but also basketball. A lot to be excited about if you're thinking about where the Chicago Bulls are headed. There's a lot of interesting things that will play out, as well as for the Chicago Bears. You know, that's a really exciting thing to talk about their possibilities and their head coach being that confident in his program after one year that they could win the Super Bowl next year. You know, any team will say that, but we're going to obviously be monitoring the continuation now of the offseason that's beginning for the Chicago Bears and the NFL, and we'll see what safety they might sign as Adrian Amos is a free agent. The whole kicker situation, we'll continue to cover that every step of the way as well as Major League Baseball. We're continuing to monitor the 
situations uh, with that the White Sox are involved in with top free agents Manny Machado and Bryce Harper that are still unsigned. So we will continue to monitor that in the offseason as it follows for the Chicago White Sox, as well as continuing to follow the Chicago Cubs and how Otto Porter fits in with the Chicago Bulls throughout the remaining 28 games of the regular season. It is now time for the closing segment of the show that everybody enjoys. It's Will's Sports Movie Moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest co-host, and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie, comparing it to modern-day sports. Listeners can now hop onto the podcast Facebook and Twitter page and post their own sports movie moment favorites. I'm going to start. I'm going to do mine now, and it's a really curious one. It's a baseball movie a lot of people might have seen, but it's called Moneyball, and it's a really interesting movie played by Brad Pitt. The character is Billy Bean. And he is the GM of the Oakland Athletics. He played a little bit in baseball, was a top, like, recruited draft pick uh, out of high school in baseball to the Mets. Didn't pan out, went to a bunch of different teams. And he retired and finished his career in Oakland, hung it up to become a scout. And people were baffled by it, but he's become a pretty good, but probably one of the most interesting uh, GMs today in the game of baseball. Uh, based on the moves he makes and this movie was back in 2002 they lost players uh, like Isrenhausen who's a real good reliever during his time in Major League Baseball Johnny Damon Jason Jamie so there's two guys that are very well known in the game before they went to the Boston and the Yankees and such and such but the scene of the movie that really interests me is there's a reliever he really wanted to trade for from the Cleveland Indians early on in the movie, back when Mark Shapiro was their general manager and uh, vice president executive at the time. Uh, he's, of course, now with a different ball club in baseball today. But Bean went over there. He's trying to fill those three big player holes that he lost, you know, before spring training. It's the offseason. And he's like, okay, what do, uh, is Ricardo Racone available? Shapiro says no. So he says he never gives up, though, uh, Billy Bean. You know, he's very persistent. Uh, follows his gut, you know, brought in Peter Brandt uh, from their scouting department in Cleveland to uh, help him uh, in Oakland with that whole money ball thing, developing a certain team, uh, getting on base, wins, and uh, what Peter Brandt called, which was interesting, the Island of Misfit Toys players, uh, which I thought was really uh, interesting way to put it. But, you know, he, he went with that approach. You know, they were doing pretty well, pretty good season that year. They won 20 straight games, made like major league baseball history at the time in 2002 but the scene that interests me the most is the trade deadline day i'm comparing it to the nba trade deadline this week uh especially today there was a lot of exciting moves marcus soul getting traded to toronto and the bulls won last night along with uh the deal the mavericks made with the kings that sent harrison barnes to uh sacramento while he was playing but even comparing it to the bulls deal of Otto porter jr you never know what's going to happen I think for fans, that's the most exciting part of the trade deadlines, whether it be Major League Baseball, the NFL, or the NBA. But the scene from Moneyball that compares to all this stuff that went on uh, through the NBA trade deadline that ended this afternoon is Billy Bean is on the phone with people. He trades a rookie sensation on the team because he, 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 he felt in his gut. He's like, I know this guy's really good. Carlos Pena is really good. But I feel like I want Hanneberg to play first. This is who we brought in to play first. I trust him to play first. And uh, the coach didn't play him at first. So Billy Bean makes a move that's really shocking and could probably 
to find his job if it doesn't pan out. And the guy plays really good elsewhere um, when he traded him to Detroit. But uh, he traded Carlos Pena. Uh, he made some other moves. Uh, brought in a guy like Mabry uh, for some for Venerfrill, one of the relievers, uh, to clear room. And he was able to get the trade, got some money from somebody uh, to get Ricardo Rincon, the player he that I mentioned earlier in the movie was trying to get from Cleveland because Cleveland didn't think they'd have the money in Oakland, but he did. He brought over that reliever, got the player he wanted. And that's what I'm thinking of the Bulls right now. You know, they brought in a guy that really fits their team, kind of like Ricardo did uh, better for Oakland at the time back in 2002. Um, how the Bulls bring in Otto Porter Jr., a good 3 and D wing player. We'll see what he does, but he's 25 years old, fits in really well with Levine and some of those guys. So I feel like this movie, Moneyball, if you haven't seen it, is really good. Um, it's a really good book out there, uh, connected to the movie as well. I've read a little bit of it, but I, I'm really trying to get into it a little more. And uh, that's my sports movie of choice. It fits really well with the NBA trade deadline. Even Major League Baseball is when it comes up in the NFLs as well, but definitely fits well, the movie Moneyball, with uh, the NBA trade deadline. That's all the time we have in episode 26 of Will's fifth quarter special. Tune in next time to our Facebook Live that will uh, foreshadow what comes up with episode 27. And we will continue to follow, as we mentioned, various topics going on in Chicago sports, collegiate sports, and Redbird athletics with the Redbird Sports Update as they persist and move forward. I want to thank our guest appearance who, as we mentioned, was featured back on episode 8 for uh, spending time with us this afternoon and uh, an exciting time talking a uh, recap of Super Bowl 53 and Chicago Bulls NBA trade deadline coverage and a little Chicago Bears. We want to thank Jason Clare for continuing to be a support to the fifth quarter sports talk we do here at Will's fifth quarter special and contributing his own strong insight and thoughts to this episode 26. So Jason, we thank you for your time. Wish you nothing but the best moving forward. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds at the end of a sports game, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Fire, along with guest appearance Jason Clare, saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special. To continue to hear your fifth quarter sports talk, you can check out all of Will's fifth quarter specials at williamdfarlow.com. To join the sports conversation and share any opinions or thoughts on all sports, head to the Twitter page at williamdfarlow. The fifth quarter never stops here at Will's fifth quarter special.